0: Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my Purpose Girls. All right, so I have a confession. It's not pretty. So we were painting the baby's room and after we did, I really wanted to clean the floors. Seems reasonable enough. And I was like, hey, Josh, will you go get me a bucket with some Murphy's oil. And he said, "Ah, oh, Swiffer would be so much easier. All right, I'll get the Swiffer. And I think I said, okay, when really I wanted to do it with Murphy's oil soap. Like this is my baby. Now this might not sound like a big deal. Okay. But fortunately he knows me well enough and he checked in, he said, no, is it really not a big deal to get a Swiffer or do you really want the Murphy's oil soap? And I said, I really want the Murphy's oil soap. And then I said, oh shit, I just did it again. I fell back into an old pattern of just saying and agreeing with what he wants as opposed to me truly saying what I want. Now, what was the big deal about me wanting Murphy's oil soap or about me being very clear? No, I do not want fish. The entire pregnancy, I hate fish. I actually have been saying that because it's true. But there is like this ingrained part of me that with certain people in certain situations, wants to be this good girl, please. And I'm not even aware of it in the moment. And yet inside of me are these other voices screaming, no, I don't want a Swiffer. No, I don't want fish. No, I don't want you mansplaining. Josh doesn't mansplain, but let's say in a business meeting or other people, no, I don't want you calling me honey. All of these things. And what I have been coming to terms with is this good girl Inside of me. And frankly, I sometimes just want to smash her. Sometimes I just want to go out and be a total bad girl. And this is what has been super fun for me to play with lately. Really, what would it look like to fully stand in my power? Because I know all the ways that I don't. I know all the ways that I don't. And I know where it started. And we'll probably get into that. But that is why I'm so excited to introduce my guest to you. She is a woman who inspires me and is the queen of teaching women to truly stand in their own power and have the influence that we want to have, that we were born to have. Kasha Urbaniak is the founder and CEO of The Academy, a school that teaches women the foundations of power and influence. Kasha's perspective on power is unique. She spent decades working as one of the world's most successful dominatrices while studying power dynamics with teachers all over the world. During that time, she practiced Taoist alchemy in one of the oldest female-led monasteries in China and obtained dozens of certifications in different disciplines, including medical, qigong, systematic constellations, and more. The academy has been around since 2013. She has taught hundreds, I'm guessing thousands of women, how to radically increase their power, agency and influence. She uses practical tools. She breaks the yoke of the good girl, which is what I'm so excited to dive into and to step boldly into their own lives. She's been featured in Forbes, New York Magazine, the New York Times, Vanity Fair, Business Insider, you name it. Kasha, welcome to the Purpose Girl podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It is a true joy. All right. So I have this good girl, bad girl thing. (laughs) And I know I'm not the only one. In fact, when I was like, I don't know, maybe 26, 27, I was out to dinner with a girlfriend and we were, it was like, we were having like a hot night out, right? She looked hot and sexy. I looked hot and sexy. I was newly single out of my divorce. We were at like a Latin restaurant. We were going to go dancing afterwards. We were having a good time eating our tapas, drinking our sangria. And all of a sudden, my brother walked up to the table. (laughs) (laughs) And my brother is six foot two. He is a criminal defense attorney. He's like super arrogant, big. And I didn't notice it. I had some conversation with him. After he left, my friend said to me, what just happened to you? Wow. And I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, you shrunk. Wow. And so I'm aware of where this started and I need your help and we all need your help. (laughs) So let's just start with, what do you notice? What's going on with women in power? Why is this so hard for us? Well, I I could directly answer your question, but I was really, I was really inspired by your story.
1: Oh, well, please tell me about my story. So Murphy's Oil Soap and Swiffer, right? Thank you. No big deal. (laughs) No big deal. No big deal. No big deal. Um actually the correct way to clean a room after you've painted it is with Murphy's oil soap, not with a Swiffer. Now imagine, now imagine a scenario uh without a partner who you clearly have a phenomenal relationship with, who can pick up on your cues, who you've you've trained or taught or vibed with enough (laughs) for him to understand what your facial expressions mean so that he can actually be an ally in helping you break good girl conditioning, which I just want to put out there before we go any further. Um, The moment a woman notices something, like her own good girl conditioning, maybe with different language. The moment a woman, for example, notices what we call in the school the freeze, where she's frozen and she hasn't said what she wanted to say and the moment's passed and something didn't go her way, sometimes much to her detriment. Sometimes it's a promotion given away. Sometimes it's her boss's hand up her skirt, right? Like what I've noticed is that these very universal phenomena (laughs) uh, end up being bucketed into a personal weakness or a personal uh, psychological problem.
0: Mm, Right. I think there's something wrong
1: with me. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So one of the things that's that's happened is that there is a whole series of patterned, universal, perfectly logical conditioning that all the women in the planet have been indoctrinated in for millennia. To- makes total sense. And I'm going to talk about that in a second, but I want to start with the specific because Murphy's Oil Soap Swiffer may maybe low stakes, but one policy over another in a different situation affecting tens or hundreds of thousands of people makes a big difference. So Murphy's Oil Soap Swiffer, maternity leave or not, like uh, uh, funding testing for COVID or not, big difference, right? And, and and at the end of the day, inside of ourselves, that mechanism is the same whether the stakes are low or high. Like you can freeze because a barista asks you if you have kids or if you're single, or you can freeze because somebody accuses you of something or implies that you'll lose your job if you don't have sex with them, right? It's the same mechanism. So the first thing I want to talk about is the self-attack portion. It seems a little bit backwards to talk about the self-attack portion first. But it's so important that I want to, I want, I want, I need to talk about it first. So, so, uh, it appears that self attack corrects behavior. Like if we go, oh, why did I do that? I'm so stupid. I shouldn't do that. I should stand up for myself. It seems like a positive thing. But the moment we attack ourselves, it actually does not change our behavior. It because re- what the visceral bodily message, the memory in the body, the pain is becomes an anchor to do it again. So self-attack doesn't work. Punishment, the whole idea of the carrot and the stick, the carrot is far more effective than the stick. And for many reasons, women have a vicious, vicious inner monologue of self-attack. So, you know, think about it for a moment. Uh, It's not just what we call the patriarchy is not just men. A mother loves her daughter. A mother loves her daughter and tells her, that she looks like a slut for wearing a short skirt
0: Hmm.
1: because she knows that if she gets raped, she's going to get the blame for it. So out of self-protection, mothers and fathers begin policing their daughters in a way they do not with their sons. Hmm. And what happens when our parents step out of the way is we continue that self-attack ourselves. Am I okay like this? Am I safe like this? Should I do this? Should I do that? Is this okay? This is not okay. I got to watch myself here. Uh, I just received a compliment. It may be dangerous to receive a compliment, so I'm going to downplay it, right? So this whole self-attack thing ends up reinforcing the conditioning.
0: Right, it just like a cycle over and over. Yes, yes. And I've never heard it said that way, Kasha. that the patriarchy is not just men. And yet I know it. It's this conditioning that we've been taught and is in our blood and in our bones for generations and generations and lifetimes and lifetimes that now woman to woman we're passing on to. Out of protection, out of love.
1: Out of love, and that's the, that's the thing is that this conditioning doesn't work for us anymore. But its origin is love, even if it doesn't feel loving. Um, so we have a we have a, a song we sing at the school that goes: Self attack is so boring. This monologue has me snoring. I've heard it all before. Don't need it anymore. I already know where it's going. Anytime it comes up. <laughs> Oh
0: my goddess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Self-attack is so boring. But now the good girl conditioning itself, right? Because I said I was going to talk about the self-attack that reinforces,
0: right? It reinforces behaviors we want to change. It does not change the behaviors we want to change. Well, I'm glad that you did because it's important for all of us to know, you know, just about every woman I know is an absolute expert A++ at self-attack. Yeah, absolutely. And we must do it because we think it's motivating us to change or be different or do it differently the next time. So it's really important to hear that that response is not helpful.
1: You know, yeah, I wasn't going to talk about this, but actually one of the genius things about the entire pattern and structure of self-attack is that it inspires a woman to already have an architecture of self-awareness that's so precise that she monitors her every move. Now, if you if you take that same exact architecture and use it for self celebration and not self attack, you don't have to you don't have to build the muscles of noticing, right? Because we notice ourselves in a profoundly subtle and a profoundly like every move we watch our every move. Why don't we use that self policing as a self congratulatory, self building up noticing every single victory, every single blessing, every single thing that we did right, every single thing that we just you know? And 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 if we didn't have this pattern of self attack as a cultural phenomenon um, we'd have to build those muscles from scratch. We'd have to learn how to notice ourselves, but I, I, I had no intention, no intention of mentioning that. You just inspired me to let's go to good girl conditioning. Can itself. we please? Yes. The juice. <laughs> the juice. The, the the juice. Why it's so good to be bad. Yes. Like, oh, okay. So just think about it. Two millennia. Uh, more, I don't know how many, uh, but you know, a long time, like a really, really long time. You could say hundreds of years, thousands of years, the best a woman could hope for, the best she could do for herself, the place she could pour all of her desires, dreams and ambitions, all of her energy, the best chance of her real evolution was to marry well. Mm. So just imagine all of the conditioning out of love, right? Like I want to have the best shot I have. What's going to make me the most
0: uh, admirable candidate to be a good, marryable to the prince? Yeah, yeah. And what's going to make me the best? And I imagine from parents, what's going to make my daughter marryable? What's going to make my daughter be wanted? And receive a high dowry, et cetera, et cetera, from someone. All right.
1: So these are the qualities, right? Modest in temperament. I mean, she doesn't feel the full range of her emotions. If she does, she doesn't express them. So she doesn't get too mad if she, you know, she maybe explodes once in a while because we can't help it. But we're generally modest in temperament, upbeat, harmonious, nurturing, accommodating as fuck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Resourceful. We don't need that much. We definitely don't want that much. Uh, we don't have a sexual appetite unless it's in response to a socially sanctioned partner, right? So we're not a lot of trouble. We're not a lot of burden. We work really hard. We don't ask for any credit. Does that sound like anything? Hmm. And the thing is that a lot of the, a lot of this behavior is beautiful. It's out of love. It's service har- har- being harmonious and nurturing and all these things. Wonderful to consider the whole, but when it's not a choice, When it's the good girl autoresponder leaping in to do somebody else works, works for them or uh, not speak, uh, being too polite to scream when you're being attacked. I mean, it's just, it really does something to your system.
0: Oh my gosh. So I had a stalker last week that started every day sending me love poems without telling me who they were. And it was just like a little freaky, like eerie. And so of course my husband was like, well, we're blocking him. And I said, Is that nice? What if he's just trying to be nice? Totally. Oh my goddess. Yeah. Is that not? I mean, I don't know that he was a stalker, but he was like weirdly sending me love poems without telling me who he was every day or she, whoever. Yeah. But you're right. I was like, Oh, maybe that's not nice. Oh my goddess. Okay, Kasha, continue. I am outing myself big time here, right? Like, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. But this is the thing Uh, it's not you, right? It's me you and every other woman who was raised at this time on this planet and the momentum of the conditioning. We, okay, we I mean, we, like women couldn't get their own credit cards in Connecticut until 1973 with a husband's signature. Like this, we're not talking about this change is happening. Yeah. This change is happening now. And when we talk about women going from being property to being able to own property, we're still only talking about a tiny percentage of the, I mean, a, a part of the planet. Right. This is new. This is new. And we are creating it. We are the ones right now. And we are the pioneers. When history looks back, they're going to look at us. They're going to be like, those were the women of the pivot. That pivot, like, you know, I I understand, you know, 70-year-old feminists with signs that go, I can't believe I'm still protesting this shit. I get it. And also, (laughs) we are trying to overturn a a monument of human history up, you know, up on its head. So, okay, so uh, uh, good girl conditioning. Here's the thing. One of my favorite lines in my book is, name a good girl who's changed the world. <laughs> you can't because she can't.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the reason she can't is because she is designed to maintain the status quo. And if the status quo is running good and we are, we're all good with it, then the, perfect, right?
0: She's designed to keep things as they are. Mm-hmm. Right, that makes so much sense. we have been taught how to keep the system going exactly as the system is going. Yeah.
1: Running smoothly and everybody has their coffee. Everybody's in bedtime. And if like a marriage needs a counselor, the woman's looking for it, like everything's in place.
0: Right. And just keep our temperament. Don't share if we're, don't rock the boat. Don't share if we're having a real issue. Don't share a real opinion. I mean, when you went through the list, it was like Yes, yes, yes. She responds in a timely fashion. She so shows up to her, all of
1: the family events and friends' weddings. She is smiling and perfect, Perky. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She's definitely never lazy, never vain. Mm. So, so the, one of the, one of the most incredible things, I mean, we have a lot of tools at the Academy for breaking good girl conditioning because good girl conditioning leads to invisible labor, mental, emotional, physical work that's uncredited for unseen, sometimes even by the person doing it. It leads to the freeze, not being able to speak and not knowing how to break the freeze. It leads to a ton of things, but one of the fun things, one of the, not, not just fun things, but one of the shocking things as a teacher was for me, when we started teaching um, the bad girl protocol. Right. Just it's an it's an imagination exercise. It's not something that uh, we make it very, very, very clear that you are to write your most vile, vengeful, vicious, hypersexual, insane fantasies, but we're not doing them. We're going to go through an alchemical arc where we transmute some of these emotions, like don't go out and, and,
0: you know, stab your boss in the eye or pee on his desk, but (laughs) write about (laughs) it. Actually, admit and acknowledge. So I have been reading your book in preparation for our, you know, I know it's not out yet and it is coming out and I am telling all of you, this book will change your life. Okay because I've been reading it in preparation for our interview today and every page is highlighted and, and underlined and and I can't get enough and I say to Josh you got to hear this no you got to hear this you got to hear this okay so when you get to the bad girl protocol and I would love for you to explain a little bit more to everybody what that is actually acknowledging that inner voice that wants fucking Murphy's oil soap Okay. (laughs) And that inner voice that basically, what I really wanted to say was, why are you asking me if you want to, if I want a Swiffer, I already said, I want Murphy's oil soap. Now go get me the soap. Right. It's like, but I love him. And of course I want to say it in a nice way. And I don't want to, you know, all that, but it's like, if we can finally just say, even if we don't say it out loud to somebody else, but we say it in our journal, we say it in the book, you know, in the little margins of the book finally just acknowledge yes i fantasize about having sex with different people yes i want to be chained up yes you know i want murphy's oil soap whatever it might be it feels good to just finally acknowledge it yeah
1: yeah yeah so we encourage we encourage women especially in the safe container of a class to go really 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 vicious really really dark so you know we're tapping into some of the you know the most insanely infuriating rage and despair and, and the fantasies they have, you know, do involve like blowing up buildings and killing people and maybe like, but what's amazing is what's really, really amazing. There's two kinds of amazing that that show up in the bad girl protocol. The first is if I were a bad girl, I would get more sleep, you know, things like that where you're like, wait, how is that bad? Mm -hmm. And the (laughs) other (laughs) one is that, you know, they tend to the bad girl protocols in the classes, they tend to be insanely generous to the people that have hurt them. Like, for example, if I were a bad girl, i would I would lock my uh, abuser up in a room and force him into twenty four hour therapy for six months. And I'm like, how are you so generous inside of your rage? And, and uh, what became really apparent is that when enough permission is given to a woman's darker emotions, not only do her true desires start to surface, and I don't mean the desires for revenge, I mean, like, not the thing she's fighting against, but the thing she's fighting for with all she's Mm. got, not only do those things become apparent, um, also, it starts becoming really evident that there is no such thing as a negative emotion that all of them carry a treasure. That like, if you, with full permission, reach into a place of sadness, you discover the most tender desires that are hard to admit. But once they're admit admitted, they're they're. I want to be taken care of this way. This is the way I want to be held. This is what I need. And that you know that that rage can can lead a woman to have total clarity, energy, and purpose in her life. All, and, and this is this is another aspect of good cruel conditioning is just the suppression of emotion. We have this even even the even the even some of the. Uh, you know, this the self help move in our in our world is a really good one. But the, sometimes the positive thinking shit creates a positivity gag. You're not a full human anymore. Let's get get rid of envy and anger, and let's feel good by ignoring what's here. There is some seriously righteous rage to be had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And out of those, out of all of that, come really powerful requests. Really powerful influence, really powerful asks and communications that begin transforming our communities and our world. And without that, without access to that fire, we're just fixing things. We're maintaining the status quo or fixing things, fixing ourselves as if we're broken instead of using the entire instrument of who we are with everything that we got and using one of our superpowers, which is our ability to direct our attention in order to fix, uh, flip, or uh, channel power dynamics.
0: Mm-hmm. there. So I so want to get into the power dynamics and into influence in a moment. There's so much about what you just said that I just want to put like a picture frame around it and put it on the wall. I want everyone to put a picture frame and put it on the wall. The first is when we talk about this bad girl protocol, right? So this is a woman sharing... Un, like secretly, here's what I'd really love to do. Yes. Yeah. No. what if a woman can't go there? Because they say, I, if I was a bad girl, I would sleep more. Or if I was a bad girl, I would say no to that invitation, which, which is a, being a bad girl, right? Because we're not supposed to. Or if I was a bad girl, I would ask my husband to watch the kids for another day. And all those may be true. Is there a layer though that like maybe there's a first layer and then there's a second layer that, I could just imagine it would be hard for women to access that real rage.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I deal with this every day, right? Uh, like women who are really uh, powerful, independent, don't consider them, themselves to be good girls. Especially the women, what we call the the bittersweet victory of the independent woman—the woman who has it all, but she's been doing it all, and she's secretly exhausted and incredibly pissed off, and not understanding why everybody else is so incompetent and like not, not like really alone, like really alone. Everybody counts on her. Nobody asks her what she needs. She's got her shit together.
0: Right. And, and why is she paying such a high price for that? It's also just about every woman I know. I remember in your book, you saying, it's like the independent woman came out of the good girl, right? It's like the next iteration or phase. It's the good girl wanting, not wanting to look like the good girl.
1: It's like, I'm going to get what I want, but I have to get it myself. You know, and there's this, you know, there's this John Wayne, you know, myth pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, which is like the worst yoga pose ever. It's actually (laughs) physically impossible to (laughs) pull yourself up. Like nothing in this world happens alone. And men love to pretend that there's such a thing as a self-made man. And there isn't besides the boys' club, they have wives that perform invisible labor. I mean, the entire system is set up in this way where you could believe that one man did it. No. And the, you know. The memoirs, the history books, they love to tell the story of the independent hero. The independent hero doesn't exist. The independent
0: hero called his mama. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> what do I do? Yeah, Tell true. me what to do. Right. And then had a wife at home that was making dinner and had shoes ready by the door and yeah, you know, slippers. Yeah. And, that you is such it. a good point. Yeah. And so, so we're trying to mimic
1: what doesn't actually exist, right? We're trying to mimic the And, you know, like it it shows up when, you know, women do the stereotypical old fashioned man's role and woman's role in the household. And then the the man feels useless and is a worm and ends up like leaving so that he can be in a, you know, in a situation where he feels... Like he's useful and powerful.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it all gets messed up. So how do we access that bad girl? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That, that was your question. I got to that. Uh, That's died. all right. No, <laughs> I love it all. I love it all. This is all right
1: So there's a couple of ways, right? There's a few things. Uh, the bad girl is just one persona. So for some women, it's easier because the exercises. If I were a bad girl, I would. And you keep writing until you run out of steam, and you make sure that you write somewhere private so nobody can find it. So you feel really safe to go. If I were a bad girl, I'd go to my boss's office and pee on his desk, or I would like tie her up and have the entire company complain to her about everything that she does that makes us feel like we can't do our work properly, or like whatever, whatever the case may be. I would. There's a lot of political ones in the (laughs) (laughs) closet. There are. And, and, okay, so so some of them get really juicy, some of them get really sexy and fun, some of them get really funny, and some women get stuck. And the women that get stuck, you know, one thing they can do is try a different persona. If I were a seductress, if I were a con artist, if I were a rebel, if I were... A, but it, what works even better is if in a, in a class, usually I can see this thing coming. So there are a lot of infuriating exercises. <laughs> Very simple one is the conversations I'm not having. You start listing the conversations you're not having, or you start listing things unsaid, the things I haven't said. I haven't told blank that blank. I haven't told blank that blank. I have, right? Just, the, just basically uh, releasing some of the repressed language The times you wanted to say no, but didn't. People think, I, I teach a lot about asking and people think that asking is like asking for help or asking for support. What well, people don't realize, uh, some, some people realize that when you ask somebody, you're giving them an opportunity to deserve, but that's where it stops. When you ask somebody, when you ask something of somebody, you are telling them who you think they are. And a lot of the independent women who don't ask a lot of their partners or don't ask, they're basically sending the signal, you are a worm, you are useless, you can't really do very much. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you ask for the moon, I mean, I have this like really, 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 really uh, great experience recently that came to fruition over two years with a student who uh, wanted a castle ridiculous right what she And freaking castles. fabulous yes yeah, and there are <laughs> castles for sale in europe actually quite cheap but it costs a fortune to maintain them and there are laws around them and she looked into it you know she wants a castle all right she doesn't have any money but her uncle does estranged uncle so she so she started you know she started uh, uh working on that ask right like I'm gonna get my wealthy estranged uncle to buy me a castle. Okay? Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's see how this goes. And what kept coming up was that you know her we'd be working and she'd be talking about her boyfriend who's a painter and who never ever ever even moves clothes off his bed when she comes over. He's such a mess. And I was like, what about him?
0: Maybe that's who we should ask. Him? Yes.
1: Yes. And she was like, wait a minute, you're talking about my starving artist boyfriend who can't get his like socks off the floor and his crap off the bed before I come over. I was like, yeah, yeah. Let's do the exercises to prepare you for an outrageous and difficult ask. Have it feel really right in your body, really compelling vision, really inspiring. And in that conversation of, I want to be with you and I want you to buy me a castle as ridiculous as it sounds it started to translate to him as this is what I believe that you're capable of Mm. with everything that you're doing. Right. And they got down to the nitty gritty. They got two years later, his career and her career, they didn't, they don't have a castle yet. Right. But the castle conversation started to create parallel career paths where they're evolving, making money. They can, they can buy a fabulous house for themselves. Maybe not a castle yet, but it changed their entire dynamic. She could have gone to her uncle, done the exercises, gotten what she wanted, but the truth inside her body spoke so loud that 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 that, uh, that you know, you say this to a, a regular woman in the street, go ask someone for a castle. It sounds <laughs> man, you know superficial, manipulative, but it actually it had this childish, in the best sense, innocence that carried the magic like let's live a magical life together. 2 years later now, I'm in contact with them and they
0: do. They and have they a do. magical life and they have a magical life. How fascinating she could have gone for the castle and the uncle and what I'm hearing is what she really wanted was her boyfriend to step it up in some way or to be able to you know, do his part and be equal or take care of her or... Do you
1: know any women who know how to make their partners, right? Like not to be super heteronormative here, men or partners. Do you know any women who are really
0: good at telling their partners to step it up without rage, without anger? No. Or without busting their balls, right? Without feeling like a man or a woman or whatever, but just... Yes, yes. So so how do we do... There's so much. I know we're... we're, So we, I want to, because we want to talk about influence and power. And I don't know if this is part of it because I, how do we do that? How do we get our partner to do what we
1: want them to do? Well, I can, I can bridge some of these concepts kind of quickly, but the bridge isn't necessarily uh, uh, enough to give a full map, roadmap of
0: instruction. So like, which is why, let me just say again, all of you are going to need this book and in the show notes is Kasha's website and courses. And I'm looking at them and we all need to take them together. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So good girl conditioning in the world of good girl conditioning, there's also this crazy, crazy thing that happens. And it happens to our bodies that in the school we call the smush. It's a kind of compression. So woman is, you know, from, from, from the moment we reach puberty, our tits are too small until they're too big. We're too, um, you know, know it all until we're too stupid. A student, you know, we're too much, we're too little, we're sluts, we're prudes, we're both at the same time. In between too much and too little there's no room to breathe. Now, in between being afraid of being too I mean, have you ever heard a man say I'm afraid of being too much? I mean, that's like no. being too much and not enough is like a uniquely female thing these days. Um, being afraid of being too much and too little at the same time is a little bit like being afraid of being, you know, um, being too bossy, too needy, especially when it comes to asking, right? Uh, too much is the bossy. Too needy is um, is not being enough. Being weak is yeah. not enough. It's not it's, enough. Yeah. yeah. So when we speak a request through this mush, through this compressed state, where we're both holding back our too much and trying to protect ourselves from being not enough, meaning we're both really safeguarded against being too vulnerable and definitely careful not to be too dominant. When we're in this compressed state, our communication comes out incredibly wobbly. Our signal is incredibly wobbly. What do I mean by that? So if I say to you, whatever I say to you, right, the words communicate the information. The signal of my body tells you how to feel about it. So, if I ask you for ice cream and I go, could you please get me ice cream? Or I go, could you please get me ice cream? Or I'm in some kind of weird, compressed motion, not just the repression of bossy or needy, somewhere in between. You may go get me that ice cream. But even though your brain heard, Kasha wants ice cream, your body felt if I do this, I'm going to make her feel this way mm. even more. Right. Mm. So when you ask someone for something and you're bracing against attack, what you're sending this, them the signal is that they've already hurt you. Mm. So saying yes to that is going to f- I feel crappy for them.
0: Like we kind of do it in, in like, you know, you really never bring me ice cream anymore. Or I used to love it when you would bring me ice cream or the very female thing that's done a lot in my family. I'm so sorry to ask you this, but would you mind please maybe getting me ice cream? I mean, those are are two
1: separate things. One, Yeah. They don't sound
0: the same, but I think we do all of them.
1: Every single complaint hides a desire. So if we're not allowed to have desires, what do we do? We complain about the absence of the thing that we want. The other thing is the walking on eggshells and broadcasting, broadcasting fear, whether it's real or not, in order to, in order to be safe. But you know, to simplify this, to simplify this uh, as best I, as I can in the time that we have, is that this double bind ends up messing up how we communicate in a full-bodied, influential way. So in a room, as animals, you know, shut the brain off, but as animals – if a woman is to be trusted with a tremendous amount of authority, she could be qualified, but she has to actually feel unequivocally embodied in that qualification for the animal in the other bodies to submit to her authority. That's one of the things I learned as a dominatrix that ended up translating to everything that I do. It's just like, wow, there's this language happening between human beings. It's not exactly body language. It's the language of attention. The alpha in the pack has their attention out. And it gives the instruction and the nods, right? And all of the rest, the submissives have their attention in. And women have been trained to have their attention in with their self-policing and watch how they're behaving. So for a woman to really hold a room and have her attention out fully, that's when she broadcasts her dominant energy and other people can settle down and listen and receive the instruction. Um, Now, that's super good girl breaking, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: And you talk about this a lot in your book about attention out and attention in and uh, keeping our attention out. I know that when I keep my attention out, you know, I speak in front of very large audiences. And when I do, then I feel I'm holding that yeah, yeah, influence yeah, yeah, yeah. you're talking about. When it's one-on-one, somehow I sometimes then feel bitchy or I feel like, right. So help us understand we want to have influence. We want to stand in our power. Help us understand what attention out means in order to have that.
1: In one-on-one, one one of the easiest things to do in order to really feel your dominant attention is to get really curious, ask a lot of questions and, uh, find out what's behind what people are saying as you lead them towards what it is that you want. So you can locate them. You can be like, it seems like you're feeling this, is this true? Okay. And, uh, you know, you <laughs> There's so much I want to tell you. I'm having so much fun on this podcast. You're <laughs> so easy to talk to that I'm busting out with things that I don't even know if are in the book. Like we have a no inoculation program. Like a no I haven't gotten to if it is. I, I it, don't know. So so we train women to love hearing the word no. So when they hear the word no, they get really excited. So somebody's if you ask somebody for something and they say no, you get really excited because you know that, that no is designed to protect something precious. And you are you are able to be trustworthy trusted enough to hold and touch that precious thing, once you connect with that precious thing, the no tends to dissolve and a new conversation begins. A new conversation begins where both of you can get what you want. Uh, A no is much better than a yes that way. And a no can be so intimate, so revealing. So uh, in in a professional context, collaboration, like new ideas, Uh, no is much better than
0: yes. Oh, this is so interesting. I mean, yes, you and I could talk for hours and like this is not the end of our relationship. This because no has shut me down. Oh, they don't want me. Oh, old rejection kind of. Okay, so what happens to
1: your attention when you say no, when you hear no?
0: You're putting your attention out, leading somebody towards something you
1: want. All of a sudden they say no, what do you do?
0: I go, I, I feel rejected. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But energetically, what you do is you snap your attention completely back into yourself and contract. You know what they feel like? They feel like they've been dropped. Ah, oh. they feel like they've been dropped for telling their truth. They were protecting something vulnerable by saying no, right? And they all of a sudden feel punished. They feel dropped. They were held. Now, so one of the training sequences we do is we train women to hear no and keep their attention out. Wow. I'd be like, how did it, it what, there's soft questions you can ask after you hear no, because if you say, if somebody says no, and you don't respect it, you go, why not? That's not the way. But to, to really, to really. Okay. So you able-
0: are inside of my house. Is that what you're
1: <laughs> Uh, a a really good follow-up question is how did it make you feel that i asked you that so they can sort of start revealing what it is that went on that had them go no and when you can find out the thing that they really 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 think is worth protecting with a no still most people don't like to be jerks most people don't like to say no for many people, even saying no is a struggle so if they even get it out of their mouths you already know that you're in a in a territory of truth or a territory where something true can happen
0: Wow. And so you're getting closer to them and you're actually creating that connection that can get to the yes. Yes, if a, a false yes is much more likely than a, than a real no. Wow. And so when we think about this in the book you talk a lot about kind of the the dom sub, right? And in from a dominatrix perspective, that that makes sense, but I had always thought of a sub as weak. And what I love in the book is you, you talk about actually the smush is where we have that kind of, we're not congruent and people can't hear us, but we can be a little bit more submissive. See, I'm even saying it as a little bit more submissive. We can be more submissive and it's not weak. It's saying, I'd really love some ice cream. Would you please get me some ice cream? That's doing it correctly, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not in our class yet. You could tell. (laughs) No, uh, you know,
1: um if you strip it down to grammar, it's very simple. Um, when you're giving someone an order or you're influencing them, you're telling them about them. You're in the world of their experience. So you are interviewing me on your podcast and you have an incredible voice and you have read a significant portion of my book and you are beaming so much right and so like i'm i'm reflect, you know right now i'm in the dominant state of attention and this is how i'm moving towards you know with all these noticings making some sort of request now if if i was going to make a request in in a, in a submissive state we have we have this really funny idea that um, submissive inward, you know, the state that artists and philosophers try to pierce the veil of their subconscious, the state of contemplation, of meditation, of of of, of desire, of self exploration. Um, that it, it's almost more accurate to call it the surrendered state. It's only submissive in relation to a dom, um, a good one that can that can follow right, that can follow the, the inner landscape that you're in. When you're really, really connected to what it is that you really want and you're speaking in first person and you're talking about how happy it would make you, that's a perfect submissive ask. Mm. We, we also have this idea still that, that submissive is uh, feminine and dominant is masculine. And I do this with a test before some of my bigger classes. I go, you know, describe words that are masculine. Give me some words that sound masculine, words that are feminine. And... Yeah. They, they re- it's really funny because um, man, being very manly, can be very, 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 um, in the world of the academy, submissive, surrendered, by saying something like, I am here to talk to you about what I believe in. I have full faith in what it is that I'm saying. And I invite you into my request to uh, da, 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 whatever the case may be. So, uh, so when you talked about ice cream, you said, did I do it right? I was going to say, well, we can do some work, <laughs> which I know we can, <laughs> because there was an apology in your shoulders and your collarbones mm-hmm. and then a the tilt of your head and in your voice. Right. So if you were going to ask me for ice cream in a surrendered, submissive way, I'd want you to imagine the ice cream that you want, or like really imagine the ice cream that you want.
0: Oh, I am. Remember, I'm preggers over here, so I can really imagine the ice cream I want. All
1: right. So so, so tell me about, is it on a cone?
0: Mm. The ice cream I really want right now is actually a Dairy Queen Pecan Cluster Blizzard. What does the
1: Dairy Queen Pecan Cluster Blizzard make you feel like?
0: Mm. It makes me feel all juicy inside. Gets me all giddy, like when I was a little girl because I would eat it all the time. Okay, good, like... good,
1: good, good. Do you do you remember what it's like to be a little girl and eat ice cream? Oh yeah, because because when you're saying this, I'm even picking up how you're feeling about asking. Mm. So like the kids are a really good example because they're like, I want an ice cream cone and it's going to have sprinkles on it and it's it's already <laughs> <only> there. <laughs> it's going to have caramel. Like, it's going to have the yes. yeah. and it's it and you know or 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 even when a kid makes a dominant request. Dad, you're going to build a fort and it's going to have a flag on it. We're going to be pirates. We're going to take over the world. This this tree is a boat. Ready? Let's go, right? And they, they, they make their requests clean because they speak as if it's already there so the other person can feel a reference point of what it would feel like to say yes. So i still not totally clear how I'm going to make you feel if I give you a Dairy Queen pecan blizzard ice cream but I, I, I have a sense
0: of it. I have a strong sense of it. Right. Like, so yeah, I'm getting it like, Oh, it would be so yummy to have that Dairy Queen pecan cluster blizzard. And like, Oh, it would just make me feel like a little girl and it would taste so yummy. And I can like taste the pecans and the chocolate and the caramel. And it's just mm, like that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> But I know we're not in class right now, but I'm like so it's you know the it's just that there there are so many good things that you get to in this book about how how to ask. And and I have to tell you, I used to have a different understanding of what a dominatrix is, and maybe you can even explain that to help us understand power and influence.
1: Well, one of the things dominatrixes don't have sex with their submissives. And when I started working as a professional dominatrix, I actually was really stunned by how how difficult it made the job. You have an hour to fill with a client and you really cannot do anything sexual at all. You cannot do anything remotely sexual. You cannot touch them in their sexual places. So how do you create an environment where something ecstatic, potentially orgasmic, definitely erotic happens with just your language and attention, yeah, with some props and some spankings, but a huge percentage of the people that came to me in particular were coming to me because they wanted some kind of psychological penetration. They wanted some kind of exposure. They wanted their shame to be seen. They wanted they wanted something to be released. Mm. Um, Almost like it's their
0: own bad girl or bad boy protocol. Yep.
1: And, you know, one of the most bad, bad, bad things a man can do is get on his knees before a woman.
0: Hmm. That's the thing is, you know. Uh, the, the another, he's not supposed to admit that he wants that.
1: He's not supposed to admit that he wants that. But I can also understand why it's so scary in some cases. Because I, the students that come to me, especially in the early days, we used to do a demo with a with a submissive first, like right off the bat, pretty early on. We had to cut it because it caused too much, too much Um in the bigger classes, too much more trauma than we could handle. trauma. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just, you know, they were, they were always so excited. Uh, Kasha's puppy's coming. She's going to do a puppy demo because he was always called my puppy. My puppy demo. Yes. A man on his knees. Yes, 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 yes. And you know, afterwards, you know, in this safe container of truth telling that they would be shocked at their own reactions. The moment he got in and I wanted to cut his head off. I thought it was disgusting. And I was like, oh, so how comfortable are you with a man's shame? Not comfortable at all. Right. <laughs> how comfortable right. are you with your shame? How, you know, it, it, and it just, it just became really revealing. Like, You know, we ask men to give something up and we have for millennia, just like we've been giving something up, you know, shut it down, man up, go out there and die for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now no emotion. Like, no emotion. Yeah. And now we're like, why don't you have more feelings? And then <laughs> if you do, I can't trust you to be the man that I expect. I mean, it's just like ah, ah.
0: Right. So they don't know either. Nope. What to do and how to connect and and what their place is supposed to be. Yeah,
1: and I think our place is to teach them because I don't think they're going to figure it out themselves. And it's not going to be through um, through angry. I mean, you know how much I love anger.
0: It's not going to be through the, you did not, you have not done, why don't you ever? It's not going to be through that. No. Wow. No, no. no. Well, Kasha, I I could talk to you all day long. There's so much here. I am not even kidding. I have been telling all my friends when this book comes out, you must get it. So I'm telling all of you Purpose Girl podcast listeners, when this book comes out, we all must get it. Okay. We all must get it. And I already have been looking at the dates of your courses to say, does that fit with baby? And how is that going to work? Because at least for me, this is a missing piece. I can feel so freaking powerful, right? I had a big corporate career before I went off on my own. I have made this happen in terms of having my own business and making multiple six figures and having a podcast that's, you know, top 20 in 30 countries, blah, 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 and still the Swiffer right? And so so this for me feels like a missing piece because I do talk a lot about empowerment and empowerment. I love how you talk about it. What we're really talking about there is influence and being able to receive what it is that we want and know how to ask for it, know how to be effective and know what our desires are so that we know what to ask. I mean, it it comes down to actually simple things as you so well-framed at the beginning, we as women don't know how to do and or has been kind of beaten out of us for millennia, right? Yeah. And so what you are doing is so important, like sign me up a million times over.
1: (laughs) Well, if you are, if you or your listeners are interested, the book that's coming out is called Unbound, A Woman's Guide to Power. And if you order it before it comes out, if you pre-order it, you get a month long free class, bad girl class with me, which will, you know, which will probably be announcing very, very soon, but your listeners get to hear it first.
0: Oh, oh my God. You have no idea. Uh, triple sign me up for that. I know I already have the digital copy of your book, but I'm I'm telling you, I've already been te- like texting other sisters, goddesses. We must get this book when it comes out. It's so <laughs> good. Okay, Kasha. Something I like to do at the end of all of my episodes with my guests is something called a purpose power play round, and I'm just going to ask you a few random questions. Are you down? I'm ready. Okay. Other than your own book, what is a book we all must read? Oh,
1: damn. I have to expose to you my my book reading pattern. I order about 40 books on Amazon a month and I read four or five pages of them, feel no obligation to finish
0: them, take what I need and leave the rest. Okay, see, right there. Do you all see why I love this woman? The rest <laughs> of us all feel guilty, but I paid eleven ninety nine. you know, but shouldn't I? Oh, no, no, no. You get the four pages and you're done. Thank you. <laughs> love, that alone was like worth your answer. You don't even have to tell us another book, okay? I love it, love it, love it. So you inspire me, you inspire many. Who inspires you? Oh,
1: I actually get this question asked like a lot in interviews. And I'm really, it's really hard for me to say that I don't have any role models. I know how that sounds. I'm inspired by people all the time. I'm inspired by humanity. I'm inspired by what people can live through, by what people can can create out of nothing. Um, Mm. Like humanity, especially now, can be incredibly inspiring. But the thing is that I've been following a fictional role model in my mind since I was about 16. I was really obsessed with the Dune books, you know, the Bene Gesserit, the secret society of intergalactic women who actually are controlling the universe. Well, there's a movie coming out now based on the book, so so, so more people will know about it. All I wanted in life was to be a Reverend Mother of the Bene Gesserit, to, to create that secret society of women on Earth. And so my role model is a series of fictional characters from outer space <laughs> that control
0: the universe. <laughs> I love, 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 because some of my heroes are the women from the Mists of Avalon. On, right who are oh, also controlling yes. right controlling the universe <laughs> and you know right so that makes perfect perfect sense to me for you to do your work and just for you to be you what have you had to let go of emotionally physically
1: oh the, the, the main thing I've had to let go of is
0: the every single
1: time I feel indulgent or even remotely ashamed of how much I need and how much support and how much I, uh, I have created through asking, through the tools of the school, a network and a tribe and a collective of people around me that take care of every single thing that I need. Hmm. If I have, I have you know, two hours of people sitting in a circle around me giving me compliments when I need it. Like, I mean, ridiculous and outrageous. I have really had to let go of, I, sh- I should be able to do this on my own. I should be able to do this without needing so much. Oh. I need so much. I teach marathon classes, 10 hours a day, three days in a row with hundreds of students. And what I need, I need 40 people around me. I need 10 people around me, you know, in between classes. I need people to put the food in my mouth for me. I need to be caressed. I need somebody to run the bath for me. Like my life requires that I am so well cared for. I can't do anything. And that's why, you know, I keep saying we don't do anything alone. I couldn't do what I do if I was trying to do it by myself and then take care of others.
0: This is what I hear from women all day long about how they're doing everything themselves and they just wish that they had somebody to do X, Y, or Z or X, or, some, or many people to do X, Y, and Z. And Yeah, I, I, I recommend a tribe. <laughs> yes. How refreshing to actually hear you say that, that you need, you know, just yesterday, I was texting with a client who apologized for being needy. And I said, I don't don't think that that should be a word in the dictionary. To me, that sounds like patriarchal conditioning, right? I mean, it's not a word where it's beautiful to need. We all need love. That's it. In a million ways. Okay. Last question. What is one thing you want every woman to know?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Uh, One thing I would want every woman to know is I'd say... 80% of what you think you're struggling through as an individual human being is a solvable universal female phenomenon. Mm. Basically, you are not alone. You are not alone to freeze. You are not alone to to defer to the good girl. You are not alone to be angry at yourself for it. You're not alone in uh, trying to find ways to be heard and get credit and to shine and to be your best self. You are not alone in working your ass off. You're not, you're not alone.
0: Mm. You're not alone. And since it is a female phenomenon that has been created, what I'm also hearing you say is, and we can shift it. We can work with it.
1: Yeah.
0: So beautiful. This is our time. This is our time. I swear we were born for this moment. Yeah. And thank goodness, thank the goddess we have teachers like you. Kasha Urbaniak, you are incredible. Please keep, keep, keep doing the work you're doing. I am here to support you and help you and share your message in any way that I can. Again, everyone, you can find out about Unbound coming out in our show notes. And you can get more information on Kasha and her and the Academy and courses and everything that she has going on, because you're going to want to follow it. You and I are going to be following it together, sisters, together. So with that, Kasha, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on the Purpose Girl podcast and sharing so much today. I so appreciate you. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And all of you out there. We hope you love this episode. Thank you for listening. If you loved it and you had as much fun as we did, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave your five-star review. It takes 60 seconds and your reviews are how women all over the world are finding us and how we as a community are rising up of goddesses on purpose who are making a difference in this world. With that If you haven't joined the Purpose Girls Facebook group, what are you doing? And if you haven't gotten my newsletter yet, you want to make sure you're getting that because that is where you will be the first to know about the Goddess on Purpose courses that are coming out, the Accelerator, all the things that you can do to know your purpose and go live it in the world. With that, the most important thing you can do is to share the Purpose Girl podcast with every woman you know. Moms, daughters, sisters, colleagues, every woman needs this information about power and influence and our desires and how to ask. And that is how you change the world one woman at a time. With that, my love, may you love yourself. May you live on purpose and may you love life. Bye for now.